In 2012, Eric Howerton co-founded White Spider, which at the time was focused on full-service integrated digital content marketing services for their clients. With $850, the Rogers Arkansas company was on its way with uncertainty ahead in the future and the 2008 financial crisis in the rearview mirror. White Spider continued success as it helped regional companies develop and market e-commerce sites for national customer reach. Founded and headquartered in Northwest Arkansas, it made sense for White Spider to begin helping Walmart and its suppliers with digital services. In addition, as e-commerce business trends accelerated, White Spider recognized the increased costs and competition for business to build direct-to-consumer e-commerce businesses. Understanding the significance of product detail pages, or PDPs, for any e-commerce site, White Spider noticed the lack of complete, accurate, and optimized content on Walmart.com PDPs for major brands. In 2015, White Spider became the founding member of the Walmart Connected Content Partner Program. White Spider immediately embraced Walmart's vision of omnichannel retail and set out to help Walmart and suppliers create and monitor the best data and content for omnichannel retail. Despite resistance of change within the supplier market, White Spider persistently campaigned omnichannel retail and continued building deep capabilities to win digitally at Walmart. White Spider developed its own proprietary SaaS or software as a service called SKU Ninja to help internal teams and clients manage Walmart omnichannel content with efficiency and scale. In late 2018, Eric bought out his co-founder and in early 2019, J.S. Bull became co-owner of White Spider, starting as the chief operating officer and within a few months became chief executive officer. Under the leadership, J.S. Bull and Eric White Spider Services and Skew Ninja continued growing at a rapid scale, and in 2021, White Spider acquired dot-com partners, and shortly thereafter, White Spider was acquired by Essential, a London-based, publicly-held digital commerce company. Today, Eric continues to serve as the founder and chief growth officer of White Spider, primarily working directly with Walmart to solve omni-channel digital commerce challenges. It's fair to say that Eric has experienced great successes, but also trying times and circumstances that would cause any entrepreneur to think about giving up. In today's conversation, Eric and I discuss emotional well-being as a small business owner, how to cope with adversity and pressures at work, and past experiences he learned from. We'll also talk about the resources and tools he's used to promote emotional well-being and advice he would have for fellow entrepreneurs. Eric has a Bachelor's of Science in Photojournalism from Arkansas State University, and he and I are former classmates and alums of the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce Leadership Class, uh, Class 11, the best. Eric, welcome to the pod, and thanks for being with me today. Man, it is an honor to be here. Wow. You have a great radio voice, man. I, you should hear me when I'm not sick. <laughs> uh, well, hey, let's just, let's just dive in. I really appreciate you taking the time to um, talk about emotional well-being, um, being healthy as a small business owner, as an entrepreneur. Um, but before we get into that, can you just take us back a little bit before 2012 and, and kind of just set the stage for how you got there? Because I think that's going to be critical for our listeners and then explain to us what a chief growth officer is. Yeah, for sure. And I'll, maybe I can hit the CGO title right off the bat and be pretty quick. I mean, chief growth officer, just everything dealing with the growth of the company, which, uh, you know, actually, whenever I, you know, as you mentioned that uh, narrative, <clears throat> when, I, when JS became our CEO, when I had a conversation with him, I was actually the CEO beforehand, right, for many years with him, White Spider, for I guess almost, you know, eight years or so. Uh, and then JS came in, you know, I wanted him to become CEO and he, uh, graciously obliged to it because CEO job, especially of a growing company is a, is a really difficult job. It's very demanding. Uh, and he, he was just the right person for it. I mean, <clears throat> and so I actually like, after I talked to him about it and then we were going to announce it, you know, he's like, well, what's your title going to be chief marketing officer? You know, as natural. I'm like, Man, I don't, you know, I don't think so because like I had to go actually kind of explore titles, you know, which is the cool thing about being an entrepreneur. You can decide on your own titles. Yeah. I mean, I get paid a lot, a lot of times, but man, you can have a really great title, which, you know, there's also going too far with that. I've saw, I've seen some other ones on like LinkedIn. It's like, you know, it's pretty crazy, crazy titles. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, as I started researching that chief marketing officer was a little bit uh, too defined just definitely over marketing and I was still going to own the marketing part of the business, uh, which is great. But, but then there's this other things that I was doing. I was also in sales, right? And so, but I wasn't a chief sales officer because I wasn't focused on that, uh, as much. And, uh, and then the biggest thing though, is I was really navigating the Walmart relationships at Walmart, uh, really just making sure that 
we stayed aligned with what Walmart was doing. And so you put all that together, you kind of have this chief growth officer. And so I think that uh, it's not as uh, traditional or defined maybe as the CMO or the C, uh, COO and all that, but it's, it's definitely a, a credible title that I think is probably more applicable for uh, you know, growing, you know, software based companies and things of that nature. And in somebody that's, you know, really designed to help. And another thing I've, I've mentioned this, sorry, is that I was also doing a lot of product planning. Right. And so if I was going and talking, staying in touch with the suppliers and brands, and then I'm going over talking to Walmart, I'm understanding Walmart's problems, understanding the suppliers problems, bringing together, and I come back to the team and say, Hey man, we need to create a product that solves these problems, you know, and has this value. Um, and so that's another thing about it. So I really think chief growth officer is kind of like looking down the road, main audiences, helping develop products, participating in sales, participate with marketing, a lot of different things. Before all that, uh, I, when I was 22 years old, I was born and raised in Jonesboro, Arkansas. During the uh, college years, I'd go off and do really cool jobs. I was a whitewater raft guide for a couple of years out on the eastern, uh, eastern Tennessee on the, on the Pigeon River. It's really a really found life, right? When talking about emotional well-being, that will tie into that a lot. Out there, I discovered nature, came back to college, and then I found out about photography, wanted to be a nature photographer. I was like, man, I can go around and take pictures of waterfalls for the rest of my life and not wearing a shirt. I'm in, <laughs> you know. Come to find out, you know, I mean, like I got really got into it. It was super cool. And then I, part of that, you couldn't just be a nature photographer degree, you know, I had to be dumped into photojournalism, right? But I enjoyed writing a lot. I like telling stories, of, you know, it was, you know, I mean, I remember I was telling a guy uh, just yesterday, I was like, when I was like 13 years old, I remember being in my room, like, uh, you know, in humility, writing poetry, like all kinds of different kinds. Like, I mean, I wasn't even reading it. So I always liked telling stories and crunching things down. And, <clears throat> and so I got into photojournalism and then I, my buddy and I, had a desire to go out and start telling the outdoor beauty of Arkansas. Cause I go out on these, you know, I was going over to Eastern Tennessee and going to the Western side of the United States being born in Jonesboro. I'm like, Jonesboro, you know, Arkansas is ugly. You know, we I mean, you know how it is. Like when you grow up somewhere, it's like, we just got mosquitoes and dirty water in rice fields, you know, cause I, I hadn't really explored much. But then when as I do my meanderings and, and wanderings, I come back and I go to the spring river, which we fished, you know, yep. we fished on when we were young gorgeous river you know but you kind of start your eyes start opening up and i'm like well this puppy's like pumping out millions of gallons of fresh clean beautiful water you know and these little cascading waterfalls that are all going down the river are awesome you know there's wildlife there go down the road you get to Sillamore creek and then it's like man this place is gorgeous and so i mean how the heck did i not know about this growing up in arkansas and so i, I went out and then of course you had the buffalo and everything else and so i set out to start up a magazine called get out magazine and I wanted to tell the natural beauty story of Arkansas. And I ended up moving to Northwest Arkansas because it's closer to the Buffalo and a lot of these other places. And I felt like the audience here would be more receptive. Anyway, uh, went, um, started that magazine up, ran out of cash, didn't know what I was doing with money, forgot about the sales part. But I was really, we put together a really beautiful publication. Like, man, I mean, we knew how to publish it. We knew how to uh, lay it out. The photography was outstanding. Uh, but we, I was too late in the game on understanding how valuable it was to get money into the business. Um, and then I ended up helping other publications and publishers produce their magazine because our quality was so well represented and, and get out. And then it also helped me to understand that advertisers didn't know how to create ads. And then you find out that they don't know how to even think about ads or create a campaign. Then you think about like, they don't even have a good ad strategy or marketing strategy about their entire company. Then in comes digital, started White Spider uh, to, um, you know, to help folks out with search engine optimization, which back then was, you know, and still is a really big deal. And then we helped folks with e-commerce and you kind of tell the rest of the story uh, on how basically I ended up there. It was literally, which would be good for the entrepreneur community. It was adapting, taking a step, get knocked back to take another step, you know, don't get knocked back kind of thing you know you just kind of you know you win lose man you make mistakes you duck dodge make it happen and you just kind of keep keep pushing and trying and listening to you know going in and you talk to somebody you have a general based knowledge on like I had a good knowledge about like fundamentally on how to create 
good looking stuff or you know print design or whatever it might be and being able to go in and talk to clients and they might have a you know kind of like the side deal that they're wanting to figure out well i already have that root knowledge and i can i can figure that out like i'm at the 80 yard line whereas the clients at, at the 20 yard line and so it's gonna be a lot faster let you know more economical for me to figure it out and i can probably do a better job and make more use of it and so that's kind of what i did throughout the years first just kind of how would you define emotional well-being as an entrepreneur and then what is what is that kind of the landscape and ecosystem say yeah uh, i mean this start out with this is such a uh, i think this is probably one of the most critical topics for entrepreneurism than anything else you know i think that we have a backwards a backwards look at getting ready to be in business that's been <clears throat> you know, has been calculated over time, you know, um, and, and this often gets overlooked. I think it gets overlooked in our education system, like from kindergarten all the way up. I mean, honestly, like nobody helps people out on how to be more emotionally intelligent. IQ all day. We got tests, you know, we can go down that road. But but my point is, is like, and I'd also say that as as a young entrepreneur, if you would have said that word to me, in case there's anybody that's listening, I mean, like, man, that, that's, that's dumb. But I can tell you as a older person, right, as the older I've gotten, um, that it's not because, um, you know, I think the end, I'd also say that there's some people, like I might have had some pretty good emotional intelligence, you know, in some ways, but as the older I get, the more I learned that there's a lot of gaps that I've had, you know, that I, God, I could have handled things so much better. Um, and so what it, you know, what it means to me really is, is like, I love this quote. I think it's Marcus Aurelius. It was like, you know, peace doesn't mean there is no war. It, it, it means that, that you can, that you can be calm in the midst of it. Right. I mean, like you don't, there's never going to be a circumstance, especially in business when you're actually, all you're doing is you, number one, you're starting a business, you're trying to solve a problem. So the, before you even get going, there's a problem to solve. But then as you get going into it, there's a thousand problems that come up. Like everywhere you go, still happens today. 20 years down the road after starting my first business, my first day, I still deal with problems constantly, you know, and I don't think there's a way to escape it. Um, and so with all that being said, like if you don't have a good, and it doesn't take an IQ to solve a problem, sometimes it does, but certainly your emotional intelligence and how you're handling that problem is a is is half of solving it but the 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 underlying piece to it is how you are feeling when problems come your way you know i mean and what that does to you internally within your own you know your own body which then you know you start having these natural reactions of you know well i'm not going to you know i don't feel like exercising or i feel like eating a donut or i don't want to talk to my wife or my husband or you know, my, you know, or even, even on the other side of it is my only refuge is my kid. And, you know, I'm only happy when I'm outside of the work environment, you know, so I think that, uh, how you're reacting to a circumstance. I mean, you're, there's, you know, my dad, he, he's a professor of psychology at Arkansas state university or chair. And he told me something a long time ago. He goes, there's always stress. It's either distress or you stress. You want the you stress. It's the distress that bothers you, right? And so emotional intelligence, you know, if you're not aware of that, if you're not intelligent, basically, with your emotional part of your being, which every human body, every human has it, then what you're doing is you're allowing, you know, if, if you can't take care of that emotion, recognize it when it's coming in and actually address it, then you're actually being passive, which allows other things to kind of resurrect or even worse, which a lot of people do is they just stuff it down and ignore it and hope that it goes away. You know, I was just able to kind of get through some things, but man, I would take into heart, like, like there's problems that happened back then, even my print magazine days of get out magazine. Like I was so stressed out about the freaking press run, you know, like I had to get this to press. I had, because I'd set a deadline or because the printer set a deadline that said they couldn't get it in and I couldn't get it on the streets by the first of the month. I mean, I mean, I just wore myself out of stress and I didn't handle any of it well, right? And I buried that in. And all the while, why? Why was I so stressed out? There's no difference that that week or two made in my entire life, you know, and, and no difference. And so 
But I mean, the fact that I carry that around, I mean, like God, who knows how many years it took off my wife. <laughs> We're going to find out, I guess, you know, but I mean, it's true, you know? Um, and then it affects the way, that, I mean, I might be going too long here, but you know, just cut me off and ask me if you want. But I mean, like it, the, the, the other part to it is, is how you start treating other people, you know, especially people that are working with you that are like coming in and trying to work on this team with you. And like, let's say, okay, I'm, I'm a single entrepreneur and I'm starting a business. Well, all my blood, sweat and tears in life is poured into this thing. Right. And then I hire somebody else and they come aboard. I've seen so many times entrepreneurs that just the, the worst, the most, the most unintelligent emotional people in the world. And they start facing problems. They're running short on cash. They take on the burden of having to pay somebody else. They start feeling the burden of like, okay, now I'm not only responsible for me, my wife, my kids, my family, or my husband or whoever, but I'm also responsible for this employees as well. And then I, and then, and then now I'm, I'm not handling that well. I'm just driving, 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 not facing my fears, which it's all risen on riding off fears and the fears that you're going to go bankrupt or causing all these emotions in you. And so as I'm talking and I start treating my, my team player that's over there that probably isn't going to be working as hard as me ever, right? Because they're not the entrepreneur, dude, or lady. They're, an entrepreneur is a very different person in a position than an employee or a manager. An entrepreneur has put their life basically on the line. They have come to the table with a financial risk that they have consciously decided to do. Nobody else has that, you know? And so you can't expect others to work and behave like you do, but then if you have all that, and then you start building animosity, I mean, animosity towards a person, and then you treat them not as well, you know, and you break friendships and lose trust. And I mean, a whole while everything could have been better and you actually start sabotaging your own business. Doesn't how, see how deep this goes and yeah, in two minutes. Well, and that, you know, one of the things that we do, the Arkansas business navigator program, the conversation they have at the beginning is why do you want to start a business? Because I think that ties into so many things you've yeah. mentioned from, you know, operating it. And, you know, typically what we hear is if you want to make money, go work for somebody else. If, if you just want to make more money, you don't need the headache of trying to hire people, try to develop a product, solve a problem, and that may not be a good fit for you. It's critical to have a clear understanding of why you're getting into it. And then you can, I think, plant the expectation that, okay, I want to go into business. I want to start this. This is not just a dream I have, but I think I can actually add value here in the marketplace then what are the tools and resources that need to be successful? You know, we run through a business plan. We talk about the products, the services, identifying who the market is, identifying uh, the industry, operations and management. But I think something that we can do a better job as consultants and people working with entrepreneurs is where's your emotional support? Who are you gonna lean on or what organization or what tools are you gonna have in place for when you're waking up at 3 a.m. every morning freaking out about that invoice or am I going to have that client or is the bank going to even approve my loan so I can get started? What do you practice or what have you found that's been beneficial for you to, to find that balance and to, and to help you deal with the stress, the anxiety and, and kind of that work-life balance? Yeah. You remember when I was talking earlier about the um, whitewater raft guide stuff? <clears throat> so I would say that over the years I have found the best absolute best way to disengage and or, or to regain my emotional balance we you know life balance whatever you, you know people want to call it i call it just escape yeah. you know or recenter is a better way to put it i mean i have I, I, like getting outdoors and just and getting reconnected with with nature i mean i don't care how you do it uh has always recentered me and and it can happen really quick and you can do it consciously it can happen subconsciously but the 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 fact of the matter is it's like you go and you had a really bad day or you just had a bad deal blow up or one of your employees is you know mad at you and whatever you want to call it or, or you know causing problems it's always enjoyable to go out and just get recentered that everything's got problems you look at nature and it's nothing. It is so much chaos going on with nature. It's an eat and kill world. There's, I mean, it's nothing but a, just a big bag of problems when you really look at it. 
But at the end of the day, it's beautiful. You know, and it's got something that's eternal to it. It's got, you know, it's got life to it. It's things are changing and evolving. It's never staying the same. And, you know, as much as we don't want global warming to happen, you know, but it's happening, you know, but then it gets cold the next day and you're like, was there really global warming? You know, but I mean, you know, just all those things, it's just like, and no one take offense to that and start, I mean, I'm just making a point that like we, you know, these a lot of things can just, you know, seem so daunting, but this reality of that things are changing and adapting and we're part of this system and this ecosystem and it's has really nothing to truly do with you, but it has everything to do with you. You can tell I've been out there a lot thinking about this stuff, but I mean, it always helps. I've always like, I remember so, so many times I've been just like captivated by ants walking, marching up the tree, you know, in the midst of all my problems. But then I look and I'm like, I didn't even recognize what's going on around me. There's everything is working hard. Everyone and everything is working hard. And I'm just one of those. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a part of this spoke. I'm doing my part and I can only do everything I can do. Can some goofy dude come by and slap me with his hand and crush me like that ant, like I could that ant on that tree. Yeah, absolutely. Things can happen all the time, you know, but, uh, but you got to march on. You just keep on marching. And I mean, there's some calming piece to that. And I've, I've, you know, in that, and also just being out there, like it's uncomfortable, you know, like, like, you know, going out, whether it's super cold and there's sleet on the ground or it's super hot in the summertime. I'm using Arkansas as an example, but you know, I mean, like it's, it's not comfortable. It's not an air conditioned and, and controlled environment. Like we've kind of set ourselves up to believe that it's, that's the reality. It's not, I mean, food, if you had no of the convenience that we have today, like it's hard to like back in the day, it was hard to survive. Yeah. Like you worked all day just to work again the next day. But we've been so just like inspired by convenience and like we take these these intangible problems on and ingest them and internalize them and we forget why we have adrenal glands in our body you know and like yeah you needed adrenaline back in the day because you got you know something could kill you fight or flight man and then but you forget about that after we've been freaking streaming netflix for eight hours you know and then all of a sudden we feel a little anxious about something it's like oh god what's going on i'm you know i'm going crazy or what no you're not man you just you are completely outside of your element. That's why I think reconnecting with nature has always been so serving uh, for me, at least, is like I get back to, to truth. But how do you get to a point where you not only can say, just get back to nature, but was it always easy for you to kind of reground yourself there? I mean, you mentioned seeing nature and, and being a guide in the beginning, but for somebody who didn't have that experience of, you know, growing up outdoors and, and, and uh, being on the water and, and, and being a guide, like, how do you, how do you get to that point? Yeah. So, I mean, first, you know, I was, uh, you know, born and raised in Jonesboro, Arkansas. I, I didn't have any idea. I mean, I wasn't connected to nature at all. You know, I was typical like everybody else. I was growing up. In, I mean, we weren't a big city by any means, but I mean, I played sports and, you know, goofed off and did all the other things. I mean, nobody was going out hiking and doing, you know, yoga out in the woods, you know, where I mean, I've gone fishing a couple of times, but I was never connected to it. Uh, it wasn't until I was in college and I just kind of happenstanced on that. Like I actually went out to be a whitewater raft guy because I wanted to get away from where I was at and just go explore, you know, as a young, young teenager. Uh, I just wanted to get out of town and see the rest of the world. I mean, I could have easily gone to New York City, which would have been an absolute terrible mistake from my perspective at this age. Uh, but it, but it's because I just went down this path and I just so happened to find it that, uh, that I discovered like in, and it took a while to, even when I became a raft guide, I remember I've still, I went and it, uh, I went down the rapids, you know, you had to go down on a check run, right? And you had to go down the river seven times on these class three and four whitewater before you could even check out as a guide, you know, in those seven times I'm riding with a pro guide, you know, teaching me teaching you to learn to read water. I mean, was, and I was still just this, this, this kind of puffed up semi city guy from Arkansas that didn't know any better. And I got all my opinions and perspective of the world, which, you know, my God that's training me is, you know, obviously a pro at it and they are really chilled out and in touch with truth, 
you know? And so I'm just this, I mean, I, I'm sure I was arrogant and narcissistic and, you know, worldly and materialistic, all these things. And, and, uh, and so anyway, I mean, like, but even then I'm, I'm, I wasn't even thinking during those runs about anything other than myself and, and how to overcome and, and, and be competitive to become a God. I just wanted to be a God. Why? A lot of times, just like you brought up about entrepreneurism, why do you want to be an entrepreneur? I really can't answer that question. I've read a book. Uh, I think it's cool what Elon Musk is doing and they got a lot of money and a lot of power or whatever, you know, and I want that. Well, that's not, I mean, you're going to set yourself up for failure. So just like I was for the God, but, but once I checked out, uh, you know, it took a while to just, to, to wear out all that external crud and get into a recentered place. And then I finally, one day I was, I'll never forget the experience. I'm at a place called Big Creek, which is next to the Pigeon River. And it was beautiful. Uh, and we would hike up this mountain for three miles and hot summer day and the water is super cold. And I just remember laying on this rock. I'd always go up to this big old rock, about as big as this table. And it would just sit out in the sun, stay warmed up. And I'd go lay on it. It's just like this hot rock. It's like a big hot rock massage, right? <laughs> you know, like you get those rocks that they heat up. Yeah. This one's a, just a big boulder, right? And so it was wonderful. I don't know if you've ever done that. Cross the creek, be cold, lay on the rock, out in the sun is great. And I'm just sitting there watching the water go by. And that's when it kind of hit me. I'm like, like it all of a sudden was some sort of revelation. Like, wow, there is things that are bigger and better than me. Uh, I'm just a part of this and everything's in motion and changing. And that's when it happened for me to connect. But I think that, you know, whether that connections is maybe your own heartbeat or your breath or your blood circulating or, you know, your, your, some family member is, is sick and you now appreciate just being, a, you know, having life, whatever that is that, you know, that's, that, that is centering you into a reality of that there's like really what you're doing as an entrepreneur and all the problems you're facing, are they really that big of a deal? Like to where you're going to ingest it and it's going to become you. And then one day you find yourself in isolation, you know, and nothing, no one to share it with. Like it's been true. You can look in history at entrepreneurs that have been like that. People that have just been so driven to conquer and then they find themselves alone. It's like, I'm like, you're, yeah, you're a billionaire, but. You know, in those moments where maybe you can't get away, you know, to that quiet place, or whatever, how do you handle that stress there of you do have people on the payroll who are expecting, you know, to have a check at the end of the week, you know, there, there's uncertainty there. And so how do you deal with that emotional stress or toil that may bring on you? And then how do you create an environment um, that's healthy for the, your employees and your colleagues to be successful? Yeah, I think that uh, in my experience and what I've have kind of caught myself doing honestly because I don't know that one could um, there probably are some that that have planned on how to handle that I've kind of more naturally just handled it but I don't think it was necessarily as natural as you know I have I had more of a, a grounding route so having experiences outside of that workplace and actually kind of you know exploring my own existence and purpose and being an entrepreneur and just doing it because I have a passion to solve a market problem. I'm not in it to just win it. You know, like the, there was always greater causes in everything that I did. So this is just my experience, right? I think that there's, you know, there's other folks that I've met that, that probably have more of a calculative way to deal with some of these pressures that come along. But so that's, that was my approach, right? I was just, I was, I was never, I've, I mean, here's the thing. I never started a business even today or yesterday of where it's about making money. Never. I've never been money motivated and it's driven people crazy. I mean like a lot of people crazy, you know, over the years that I'm not money motivated and they can't understand it. Um, now, I mean like, do I think that it's okay to have it. Yeah. Do I think it's a, a, a goal? Yeah. I, I like, I mean, I'm, I'm like anybody else. There's value to money, obviously, but it wasn't why I was ever in it. I was in it because I could just see an opportunity or market need. And I wanted, I felt like I could contribute and solve that, which I mean, maybe it's just to solve the problem. I really don't know what motivates it. I mean, even today I, st I still have a lot of what other people would call ideas, but they've never been ideas to me. 
you know, I've driven a lot of people crazy about my ideas. I mean, I, I, like I can literally come up with a new business idea probably two or three times a week. And, but they're not ideas, you know, to me, that's just like, I, I'm doing something and I'll be like, man, that, that needs to be solved. That needs to be solved. Why hadn't anybody solved that? You know, well, maybe nobody's even noticed it. I'm not the guy that's like, you know, well, this microphone should be a touch more polished off so that I can sell X amount more and drive this value proposition and these unique identifiers that will steal sales from market share on this microphone. That, I'm not the guy on that. I'm the person that's like, man, I mean, this thing needs to, you know, I don't know, have a wire in it that can twist around. So, I mean, it's a whole new, new thing for a new market necessarily, or a new, new part of that. Like, and so I think that all that being said, because like my purpose behind what I'm doing is as a different grounding, a grounding to it. And so when little problems come up, like I'm, tr I'm eager to get them figured out at a lot of times. Right. I like, I have this, I have a, a tenacity and a relentlessness to it. Like, yes, it might bother me that they exist, but I'm not going to give up. And so if you, and, and I don't even consider it. Like a, there's been problems in our business over the years and in businesses that I've had that where like it was like done. And there's been a lot of people along my career that have quit or that have left. They lost vision. I mean, you, you talk about, you know, that's the, that collateral has happened and I was one that's survived. A lot of this is just about sticking with it. And I can remember in certain circumstances throughout my journey where the issues that, that I was having to face were very dark for a lot of reasons. And not all just about me, but the people in the company to the people outside the company. Um, but I can tell you that I was never going to quit. And it, and it wasn't a conviction of I'm not going to quit because if I quit, then that means other people lose their livelihood. To be honest, that was never the driving force. Now, I mean, no one wants to do that but I didn't stick with it for other people. It was because there was something inside my being that was like, I'm not quitting and I will bleed out and I'll be crawling on the streets. Like they're going to have to kill me. I mean, seriously. And that's, I mean, I know we're getting deep, but, but I think it's important to share that because I don't know that many people talk about this stuff. You know, it's like, that's part of the problem with emotional intelligence. It's like no one really talks about it. And is that intelligent? I don't, I mean, I don't know if you classify that. I think that it's part of self-discovery because that's the thing with emotional, right? You can't, you can't do one plus one equals two like you can with intellect. You know, this this mystery to it. Like, I mean, like even as we're talking, it's like, well, I'm experiencing emotion. I don't really know what it is or how to classify it. And by the time I recognize it, it's gone. But then it resurrects itself at, like you mentioned, at three o'clock in the morning and you're having a dream and you wake up and you're like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> you know, and all you know is that you got a looming fear that's trickling through your body and you cannot, you can't understand it, but you can absolutely feel it. That's happened a thousand times as an entrepreneur. A thousand times, man. And I think that that's the thing about EQ is, is like, okay, in that moment, do you get up? Like I'm talking about the 3 a.m. Because mm -hmm. I've faced this so many times. Do I get up? Go to the kitchen, get some water. Ignore what's going on and go back to bed. Do I get up? Do some yoga. Do some breathing exercises. And go try to go back to bed. Or do I get up, take a shower, get dressed and go to work and make it productive? Do I shake my wife's shoulder and 
and tell her I'm scared, <laughs> right? Do I get up and go up to my daughter's room and look at her sleeping for a little bit and get a better glimpse of what really life's all about? Real stuff, right? All that's emotional intelligence. And then, however that turns out, then you go through the day and you just, you know, and so like, how do you get through these things? It's like, uh, you know, I think that it comes back down to that root as why are you, just like you said, the first question you ask these entrepreneurs, these aspiring entrepreneurs, why are you doing this? Like you need to know, I don't, you know, and you, when you were talking about that, I kind of had, I had a little bit of a, uh, an opinion that I don't know that they have to answer that question right now. The only thing that they need to know is like, I, like even if the answer is, is, I don't know, I just want it. Like there's something driving me to do it. And even if you're telling me that the answer is, is no, it, does that encourage me? And I mean, I know I experienced that in the beginning, like whenever I would present like a financial plan to a really prominent person in Jonesboro, actually business person, that had, I mean, so much respect for. And he's like, I don't think this is going to work out. He saw my pro forma. And he's like, I'm sorry, man. I, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. I would not do this. I was like 22. And I remember going, all right, I appreciate it. You know, thanks for, thanks for lunch. But in my mind as he's saying, he's like, I don't give a dang what you're saying. I'm doing this. Can you just talk a little bit about burnout and it, with entrepreneurs? You know, I saw this happen during the pandemic in our community. Um, there's a business that had been there for about six years. We love going there. We'd eat there. Um, but for six years, it was all on the owner to manage it. They weren't getting days off. Sure. Um, they, they had to wear all the hats all the time. And eventually, they had to they had to step out. And I think part of the conversation is probably knowing when it's right to step away. So maybe if you can talk about that and burnout and then. Man, that's, I think, okay. So yeah. All right. Number one, I've, and I've grown up a lot on this, uh, over the years. So I don't really believe in burnout per se, so long as you're doing what you are supposed to be doing. Like if I'm doing what I'm, supposed to be doing which is i have the passion to, to solving something did I, I mean like i could work like i don't actually even want to sleep i'm so exhilarated to do it you know that's where probably that steve jobs you know talks about you gotta love it because because it's true like if you don't love what you're doing and and, and you're trying to create and be an entrepreneur or something like you're not gonna make it because the amount of time it requires they actually don't have enough time like, I, I mean, I can't tell you the amount of times I'm like, I'm pissed off that the day's over because it's only 24. I mean, like, like, but what can you do, man, about that? You know, or I am don't want to go to bed and I, or maybe I only sleep two hours a night, but I'm able to keep cranking. Like, I'm just, I'm just driven. I'm being driven to do something, but I'm loving it. You know, it's like, man, it's my, it, it is becomes my world. Like, like you can't be an entrepreneur, in, but when I have a manager's life, you can't do it. You can't be a a uh, an employee a manager and want to have an employee's life it doesn't work you can't you know be a, you know a uh, a quarterback and want to have the third string quarterback's life you can't you don't get to sit on the sidelines so therefore don't be the quarterback and kind of to your point like okay if, if i'm wanting to be the third string quarterback then guess what i need to do better go talk to the coach and you'll get on the sidelines and you may, you need to know when that is because otherwise, you know, you, you know you're gonna you are gonna burn out because you can't be quarterback and also be front lineman, and that's what I think a lot of people don't understand too is like an entrepreneur man like I mean for me from what I do and what I do well, and I've it's taken time to figure this out and it took time because I had to go through the right experiences because I tried I had to try other a lot of things, I had to. I really quickly realized that I am not the CFO of this company. I am, I don't need to even be touching those books and it's not because I'm too dumb to figure it out. It's because I don't like it. Like I, I can't tell you how much I hate entering in invoices or calling people to get payment or paying people money. 
Like, I just, it's not, I don't want to do it. And so <laughs> I, mean, I don't need to be doing it. But if I, if, if I was so stubborn back in the day to where, no, I, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to do it because I don't trust anybody to do it. Well, I mean, guess what? You have to start trusting some people to do some things. And by the way, the, one of the worst things that you can ever say as an entrepreneur is that this is my baby. Like I told you about laying down the streets. I may not sound paradoxical. It wasn't because it was my baby. Like, I mean, get over that, man. Like, don't make it so personal to yourself that like, if this thing leaves me, then I have no identity. You cannot become your identity. What you're really doing with the business and the reason I bleed out in the streets is because, and I wasn't going to quit, is because I'm solving that same market need. Because if I don't do that, somebody who's going to do it and do it right? That's why you bleed out in the streets, not because your baby going to be taken from you. I mean, who cares, man? It's not that big of a deal, honestly. So, but I mean, like if you... If you are trying to do everything in nook and cranny of the business, you don't want to pay other people to do it. You don't take the risk of paying a bookkeeper, which costs money, and, and you don't think it's worth $300 a month, and so you're going to save yourself $300 a month, and you're going to spend two hours a day doing it. I mean, like, you just find your... That's the problem with this whole business stuff and building one. I mean, it's hard to grow a company because, like, you... like you have to you have to show out cash and nobody wants to do that and you think that you got to save it because you're looking at numbers too much and thinking like well i can't pay any money because i gotta have cash flow i mean man i'm sorry bankers and investors and all these other people that are around you giving you all this wonderful advice they don't know the business they don't know what you're facing as a matter of fact investors are paying you to go figure it out and fight it they ain't they're not they don't want to be in the middle of the crap they, maybe they've already done it, or maybe they don't even know. They've been a great banker. They can play numbers, right? Or they're using other people's money, which is the, the ones that really watch out for. But, you know, so, I mean, when it comes to burnout, like, you're, you have to know what you're good at, what you most often, like, what you, what's driving you to do something. Because I found out pretty quick that I was terrible. I could do books, hated it. And nobody, and I actually made it, I can't tell you. I've convinced so many people. And like, it makes a lot of sense to me, but I acted like it made no sense to me. So that way, no one asked me to do anything on it because I hated it that much. Not to, and, and, and when people are in the middle of trying to figure things out, it's like they'll take whatever resources they can. I mean, there's a, but I mean, I've really made sure that people thought I was completely ignorant about that stuff. Uh, you know, in, in, in the, the other thing was, is like I, like I recognized, started to realize, like, man, I'm actually, you know what I like doing, Brandon? I like going and having coffee with people. That's the most valuable thing I can do. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I genuinely like other people, talking with other people, and conversations create opportunities, networking, you tell somebody, Somebody tells somebody, validation. Next thing you know, deals are getting made, opportunities, they think about you. It's just the way humankinds work, man. I mean, human beings work that way. We're, we are social creatures. And we try to break it up with the pandemic and working at home and blah, 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 blah. I can go on forever about that. Man, at the end of the day, you do business with people that you have a relationship with. And so, I mean, I was, I'm really good at building relationships. And the reason I can do that well is because I'm passionate about it, right? And that makes you good at something. But if I start doing accounting and bookkeeping work and I'm also handling operations and doing all this other junk that I hate, I'm going to burn out. I'm not going to like anything. As a matter of fact, and especially when what I'm really good at and what I like to do and I'm passionate about doing to drive the company forward, I'm only doing that two hours out of every day. Nobody, I mean, that's the same thing that's like you getting burnt out as an employee at your job. You start not liking it, you know, and you don't, and you forget the reason why you're doing it because you can't, you can't feel your contribution. You can't make things happen. 
Uh, and then now the other thing is, is if I'm doing that uh, 80% of the time, so it's a lot of parts of my capacity and I start getting tired of that, that's an easy escape. You know, I mean, that's, what's great about being an entrepreneur. My, the thing I've always enjoyed about it is the freedom to escape. I can, I can do anything I want. Technically I can make my decision. And a lot of times I have escaped and I've encouraged my staff, my team to do this. Our business is hard. No, a lot of information coming out of nowhere. If you need to go run outside and get away from this place for an hour, do it. Feel the freedom because I can't have that freedom and expect other people not to have that freedom. Sometimes you got to do it, you know? So you now you're just talking about like, okay, I don't want, maybe I just want to cut this coffee meeting short because I've just been talking my face off all day long and I'm getting burned out. Then I don't go. I don't do it, you know, but, but at the same time, there's, if there's a big event coming up, it's a six o'clock to nine o'clock on a Thursday evening. And I got to go dress up nice. I still do it because sometimes the business needs me to do it. Sometimes burnout's not an excuse. Sorry. You gotta, that's why you got to watch out for the longer term ones, right? It's the ones that are, it's just this recurring pattern of, of like you're doing something you don't want to do. Sometimes you got to write the checks, you got to do the books, period. Like you can't escape it. But if it's something that you're doing on, on a frequent basis, those are the ones you got to watch out for. You, you got to find what you and you can absolutely 100% as I did, get yourself out of things you don't want to do. You can, you just got to spend the time to do it. And you got to be humble enough. Like you can ask my, my partner, JS, I'm a pretty humble person at the end of the day. It might not seem like that at times because I do get excited, but I will be the first to go say, man, I, I, I screwed this up and I don't need to be doing this anymore. Like I'm actually going to hurt the company if I keep doing this. Well, um, kind of before we wrap up, um, early you, someone new out the gate, um, if we could just give them one quick takeaway from kind of what we've been discussing today, yeah. what would you tell that entrepreneur that's sitting there with their $500 in pocket, ready to get started in some idea and down some business, make a pitch? What would you tell them right now? Yeah, I'd say that if, if I was to tell you, no, don't do it, that you're immediately like... I'm doing it, then keep on doing it. I mean, really like, and then if, but if I'm, if, if people say no, don't do it and it gives you turmoil and you're wrestling around, if, if you should or shouldn't, you don't need to be doing it. You really don't need to be doing it. I mean, seriously, like, I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter if you can. And then if you go back to a spreadsheet and you figured out the, the way mathematically to do it and then you start feeling comfortable, you better be very careful. You better be very careful because nothing works like a spreadsheet. <laughs> I mean, man, I, I have just as much appreciation. I can see folks spreadsheet stuff and it's beautiful to look at the formulas and I love it, man. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. It's a quite a phenomenon, you know, on how the human being has been able to figure that out. But but man, I mean, like you, you gotta, you just gotta be really, you gotta be very cautious of it in entrepreneurism. You know, I talked to, uh, I talked to a very senior person at a very, at a very, very large company. And I was like, man, how do you do what you do? I was like, I can't, I was like, I can't, as Eric imagine, this is very recently. I can't imagine dealing with the crap that you got to deal with. And he looked over and he's like, he goes, man, I don't know. He goes, what you do is I couldn't imagine doing. And I'm sitting there going, man, I, that makes some sense because like, you know, cause he pointed out, it's like the world's really on your shoulders. And I'm, this person as a, as a, as a senior executive is like, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, I mean, kind of not his fault, but as an entrepreneur, everything is, I mean, it comes like you, you are where the buck stops. And it, and it is lonely at the top, very lonely. And I can promise you the, <laughs> she'll, hope she doesn't watch this, but the person that I need, need, the person that you need as an entrepreneur to understand does, will never, ever understand. 
you know, like your spouse. Try being an entrepreneur and going and telling your spouse, don't worry, money's coming, never works out. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's hard. I mean, in, in, you know, and yeah. And, and, and the bigger the idea, the more, the more prominent all those no's are. I mean, like people like Elon Musk, man. I mean, he took all his earnings from his first buyout and dumped it into some very, very ambitious ideas, ideas, visions, SpaceX and Tesla. No one believed in them. And actually, as a matter of fact, there's a turning point, too, as an entrepreneur, when not only do people not believe in you, which starts on day one, but if you had 100 days on day 50, when you get to where people do believe in you, they actually attack you and try to take you out. So you better be ready for that one, too. So there's not really like, I mean, there's, you know, that's, that might be disheartening. And if that makes you watching and listening to this to go, man, I don't know, I don't know, that's scary, then get out. Go on, get better, better lifestyle another way for yourself. Because uh, there's definitely enough room for more entrepreneurs. Definitely is. It's not about watching the pool. And I have no ambition to say that other than just take care of yourself. But if all it does is like, man, you know what? I hear you, but I actually don't even believe in what you're saying, Eric. I think you're full of crap. Then you probably are an entrepreneur. There. Well, what? <laughs> that's a good place to cut it right there. Yeah, that's right. Good. That's good. Yeah, hey. I like it too. Eric. I appreciate this time. I wish we could sit down and talk more. Uh, definitely going to take you up on just being able to talk more about business and everything. But this is, I think this has been really, um, really good, especially for somebody, whether you you have an idea in the ideation phase or you're in the middle of, I'm ready to expand or just wherever you are in that mix um, or succession planning. I mean, everything we've talked about today is relevant whether you're at the beginning, the middle, or the end of your entrepreneurial life cycle. And so um, I think there's going to be there's a lot of value here in the advice. Um, thank you for being open and sharing kind of a little bit of your personal story there and and uh, what drives you and, and keeps you driving in and, and uh, wish you continued success in the future. So Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Brandon. I, and I want to say that as an entrepreneur in the community, thank you for even saying the words emotional intelligence. That's a big deal. Yeah, I think you're on. You are on the right track. If you can help people, you know, with your partners and whatever, to just bring awareness to that. I mean, just bring conversation to it. Chat about it. I think it's a. Uh, it's gonna be. It's gonna do a lot of people in the world a lot of good.